welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined by special guest co-host, Scooby and Duchess. <laughs> the Duchess. You ruined it. <laughs> Latoya Ferguson. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I felt like the Duchess didn't sound like grammatically sound the syntax is off maybe i don't know well i mean fergie <laughs> misspells duchess too when she's the duchess so it, it's all grammatically oh my God, incorrect. Does she? yes <laughs> i don't think i ever realized that it's just like how will i am misspells tasty also oh yeah <laughs> uh, um how are you doing latoya <laughs> i'm doing great uh spelling aside how about you ian <laughs> i'm all right i'm glad to have you back glad to be back and Today, we have some special guests, LaToya, don't we? We do. Uh, our first guest is editor-in-charge at Gigantic Sequins, a PhD candidate in English, and Ian's BFF. Kimberly Ann Southwick. Yay! Yay! Our second guest is an LA-based TV writer who has written for such shows as A Series of Unfortunate Events and What? Chilling Ventures of Sabrina. Joshua Conkle. Hi! Yay! 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 And today we are here to discuss the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, Josh, do you want to? So normally, when we do an episode about Buffy, we have people, even people who worked for the show, tell us how they like came to the show. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. Uh, the show started writing in December of 2017, and I wasn't hired to be on it. I don't even think I was considered. Um, and I actually tweeted a joke like. Netflix made a big mistake by not hiring me for the new Sabrina. And then I got a call in March that they wanted to meet me. So the room had already been going for like several months. I was the last writer that was hired. Um, and it was just because Roberto, my boss, wanted one or two more writers to fill out the ranks because he likes a big writer's room. And two or three different writers in LA separately from one another recommended me because I love witches and I love horror and I've been writing for teens basically my whole career. And so it was sort of like kismet. And so I was the last writer in the room. We were breaking episode four when I started, I think. So nice. yeah, it was really, it was really wild. It was like meant to be. That's really cool. I always think about that. I'm like, because I always tweet like, oh, someone hire me for the Buffy reboot. I'm like, what did that actually happen? <laughs> yeah, that's how I got my first agent, too. When I was a playwright in New York, I was like, will someone please be my agent? I tweeted that and someone DM'd me and then he was my first agent. So it works sometimes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. No wonder you love witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to first discuss... Uh, the opening credits are like bananas well done, and I would get annoyed when Netflix would skip them for me because like I always wanted to watch them. <laughs> the animation, the music, it's all really cool. Yeah, so when you were in the writer's room, how did the they wrote the episodes, but had they already filmed those episodes? No, usually for Netflix shows, you write all of the episodes in advance and then go into production. But because we have to kind of share Roberto with Riverdale, we work more like a network show. So we're in production as we write, which is unusual for Netflix. Oh, I always wondered that. I think the pilot is really good. Like, I think it's a really good first episode. Um, I was wondering the decision to almost make, we're like almost mid-story, right? She's already a witch. There's no discovering that she has powers moment. It's like she's always grown up with it. Also, her and Harvey are already a couple. Uh, yeah, I wanted to know, was that like a conscious choice? Do you think that was like, to get it all moving or yeah it's roughly the story from the comic book so there's that but also you know like one of the things they teach you when you study writing is that your story should take place at the last it should start at the last possible moment because that's how you get the, the biggest drama out of a story mm. so you want to have your characters like right on the precipice of something big you know when i was writing plays the thing that my teachers would always say is that plays don't take place on normal days there needs to be like some big event or something big about to happen. Otherwise, there's no drama. It's funny. I rewatched the first episode before this and I noticed how um, the exposition about like just things we need to know as watchers. I didn't notice the way that they snuck it in when I was first, first watching it. It was just so well snuck into that first episode. Uh, just like, you know, them, them explaining certain things about, I guess, being a witch or uh, you know, Sabrina's history, like her family history and everything. And I just wanted to say, I thought that was particularly well done mm. considering I never 
noticed that they were, oh, here's the exposition the yeah. first time I watched it. Oh, only thanks. the second time. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think the first two episodes kind of operate like a movie. And in fact, a lot of us in the room wanted that second episode to be called um, October Country Part 2 because you they really are separate from the rest of the series they they are very much of a of a pair i think yeah no totally um when i i rewatched a few episodes for this podcast in my head i was like oh like she doesn't sign the book in the first episode and i was like oh no that's not till the second episode yeah and like in my head that was all the first episode but it's not but I, the opening is so good right because we get they're discussing horror movies miss wardwell is like mm-hmm. kind of going through a horror movie situation and it's i, I don't know it's all really like I don't know. I I feel like it really sets up the show, right? Because you know that there's going to be a lot of homages. There's going to be a lot of like self-aware references, which y'all did and I loved. And then, you know, it's like cute. Then she like kisses Harvey, goes in and plays the Ronettes, be my baby. Yeah. Just really cute. I thought that their analysis of like the film they just watched sort of invites uh, watchers in to do the same thing. It's like, this isn't just a normal, like fun show. Like you can also like really pay attention and get something more out of it. Yeah, and it the the, the pilot yeah, is yeah. really good at setting up the tone and aesthetic of the show too. Like, unlike some shows, and you may like Sabrina or or dislike Sabrina, but one thing it has going for it is that it's a fully formed, cohesive show right out of the gate. Like, it knows exactly what it is. It's very sure footed. It yeah. may not be for you, but you can't deny that it's like a complete cohesive package, um, right from moment one. And a lot of shows aren't that way. Buffy's not that way, frankly. I, that's funny because I was going to say that I feel like Buffy, the characters are fully formed. It's the like story that they don't quite know where they're going. The story and the, the look and the budget. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a slam against Buffy. No. I, Buffy's my favorite show. Um, I just... It, it's just anyone yeah. yeah, who loves the show knows... Exactly. That first season. It's yeah, a it is. Ian uh, forced me to watch Buffy by telling me they were going to kick it off Netflix. And I had to watch it uh, many, many, many years ago before they got rid of it. And he was like, you just have to make it through. I was like, the first season's just kind of weird. He's like, you just got to keep going. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, hey. you really do have to push through. I only did and it I because did. I was unemployed one summer and I had the DVDs and I just like <laughs> did that, literally had nothing else to do and no money to go anywhere. And so that's how I experienced Buffy. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's just, again, they had no budget. Yeah. People complain about the HD conversions, but it makes the first season a lot more watchable because, like, when you watch it on Hulu or, like, on DVD, it is so dark. I saw a tweet that was like, oh, like, all of Buffy was lit by, like, one single candle in season one. And I feel like that's that's You got a text from me. I was like, it's too dark. And you were like, what? And I was like, it just looks dark. So yes, I <laughs> I would uh, prefer those HD versions. I actually miss, you know, horror shows looking too dark. Like, you know, the first couple seasons of Supernatural and like the early seasons of Buffy. And even uh, I feel like uh, Sabrina, it gets the darkness right. It's like, it's not all obviously under the cover of night, but you know, it's it's dark when it needs to be. Yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of people complain that Sabrina is too dark on Twitter. Um, but I'm not sure if that's just like their TVs or whatever, because it looks beautiful on my TV yeah, and my laptop. <laughs> Sorry about your TV, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, get a better TV, you poor. <laughs> um, yeah, so then we meet the Weird Sisters, which um i think prudence is absolutely iconic she's a star (laughs) josh i wanted to ask you so i constantly say this um one of our former guests from season five uh angelica jade wrote a piece for i think vulture where she said like it reminded her of cordelia Cordelia chase and i constantly felt that watching the show like their relationship was very buffy cordelia where like cordelia is like the popular hot mean girl but like she'll help when she needs to but she's not happy about it yeah, uh, it's it's a an apt comparison, I think. And and just like Cordelia, as the show goes along, you realize that there's a softness to Prudence yeah. and there's um, a depth to her. Especially, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but in episode seven, um, where it's f- sort of focused on Prudence, um, you really come to understand that she has a deep faith in her religion and she's got all this depth and intellect. And um, yeah, she's she's a great character. And I think Tati Gabrielle is a a movie star from like the 40s yeah and like the truest and most classic Mm -hmm. sense 
yeah, I think she's great. I, I do think another, I'm trying not to bring up Buffy like a million times. I do think another, like for me, a thing that like works for this show is that like, and like not to pump your ego too much, Joshua, but like, I think the writing is really great, but then also the actors are really great. So it makes like a perfect combo and not a lot of shows get that like there can be like oh these are really good storylines but like oh that actor isn't that great or something like that Mm -hmm. or the opposite where it's like oh these are really great actors but they're in this like you know crappy show and i think that's what makes sabrina work so well for me is that the writing is tight and also the acting is great and i actually i never watched mad men so i had never seen tiernan shipka in anything wow shame on you ian shame Our cast is so good. And I mean, everyone is so kind and they love each other. And they're all the kids are having like, this is basically their college experience up in Vancouver. And so they're all like partying together and getting in romances and fights, but love each other. The adults are so amazing and consummate professionals. The writing, it's nice to hear you say that. I mean, some people make fun of the writing um, on our show and as well as Riverdale, and they think that it's like cringy or, or whatever. But the thing that we're trying to do is that the writing is meant to be like comic book writing. Like the characters are supposed yeah. to they're, they're, they're meant to be speaking somewhat unnaturally and they're meant to be speaking their exposition because it's based on old movies and comic books. And so that's what we're kind of aping. And I think that some people don't really understand that. I think the characters have enough, enough depth that it they're, it's okay that they speak like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah. also like, you know, with the ants, I've seen people like say about that on Twitter, but it's like, well, but the ants are supposed to be like literally hundreds of years old um so for me i'm like okay that's fine that they talked like that because they're you know they've been around for a really long time uh so like okay i don't know i I feel like with a lot of shows anytime there's like a supernatural element or someone's like you know been alive for a really long time i'm always like okay sure they can have like this quirk that's maybe anachronistic but that's fine i don't know is that why hilda is british that makes so much more sense. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, it's the same with their accents, you know, like people ask that question. And it's like, who, who knows? They've, you know, they're hundreds of years old, so they could have been on different continents yeah. when, you know. And I feel like people who ask that aren't surrounded by people who have accents or are coming from another land. Like my mother has been out here for over 30 years. She's from Nigeria. She no longer has her accent, but we have family who've been out here the same amount of time. They still have their accent. It's just how it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Some people can't get rid of their accents and some that's, people can. That's actually true. I hadn't thought about that. My totally. my grandma, who Kim had met, she had been here as long as my mom had been here. And like more of her life spent here than in Puerto Rico. But she still had like a really thick accent when she like she passed away at 88 and she still had the accent. Somebody once told me that it depends on your age. Like it, if you have an accent at the age of, I think they said 25, um, like somewhere around there is the point where like you can't lose your accent anymore. But I don't know if that's true. I had like a really thick Southern accent when I was a little boy because I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> but then we moved to urban Philadelphia and I lost that so quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to talk about Michelle Gomez because Goddess. I feel like and I mean this in the best way possible. She's almost like on a different plane of acting but i love it yeah like it feels very like self-aware camp and i like she's just always in a shadow like stroking her hair looking wonderful i know i really want there to be a super cut of any time that she ends a scene by like disappearing behind a bookshelf (laughs) or behind a curtain or whatever like it's so amazing we laugh about it all the time (laughs) and like the thing about her you know whenever you write an episode as a writer you go to set and you kind of produce that episode so the thing that we're always told with michelle is that like the smallest thing from her is so big. So you're always like trying to keep, get her to do things like small and subtly because just like the flicker of an eye is like the hugest thing from her. <laughs> she's just like such an amplified person somehow. And it's, she's just amazing. And she, I don't know if she understands like what a delightful gay icon she already oh, is. So yeah, I want her to murder me. I, I love her so much. <laughs> she's so good. Uh, yeah. So now this episode will just be about Madam Satan, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's funny that you said she was a gay icon. So I was going to say she should be a judge on Drag Race one season. <laughs> Oh my God, she'd be so good at that. And right? she, in real life, she's so funny because she's like this working class Scottish girl. So she has a really thick Scottish brogue and a really filthy mouth. So she's just like <laughs> shouting the F word on set and everyone, you know, she just like makes everyone laugh and she's just the warmest, weirdest, kookiest I lady. I love her so much. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you for making us love her more. <laughs> you tweeted something about this the other day, Joshua. 
I always think of Sabrina in the same category as Buffy, where it's like supernatural kind of horror, but not like horror horror. But you guys at some points, I think, lean into horror more than like almost Buffy did with some like kind of like scare jump moments. And I was thinking of the Scarecrow as kind of like one of the first big scare jumps of the show. Mm -hmm. Was that balance hard to find? Um, Or did that just, I know you're a big horror fan, so. Yeah, we're all, uh, we're mostly horror nerds in the room or like witchy people or both in my case, in a couple of cases. We're always thinking about horror movies and things that we can reference. And we're always trying to be scary. I know that the show is for young people and it's not truly scary in the way that like, I don't know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is scary, but we're always trying to do that first before we're trying to do romance or comedy or any other thing. So horror comes first and anything else that sort of deepens that like a love story or a friendship story or, or funny lines that all comes second. So we, we do try to lead with being scary and spooky. Cool. Cool. Of course, I need to ask. Was the was Sabrina with when she teams up with the sisters? Was that an on purpose homage to the craft? I'm not sure. I wasn't around for that because I didn't start until after that. But I I think it's got to be right. I mean, are you talking about in episode two? Yeah, specifically when they come out, like of the like mines, like coming yeah. out of the mines. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's got to yeah, be. The four of them are just walking in like slow motion. Yeah, there's there's no way it couldn't be right. There's no. Possible <laughs> I remember way. like the first time I watched it, and I was like, yes, this has to be reference to the craft. But then I was like, well, it could just be mm-hmm. like they're all hot in slow motion walking. But right, it has to be Tim, right? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. I mean, the number four is also kind of big in witchcraft because of the corners. So there's that too. But Roberto's seen the craft. I mean, he wrote those two episodes by himself before there was a writer's room. Okay. He loves the craft. So I'm okay. sure that, that that was in the mix. Had to have been. And that episode is the first mention of Riverdale as well. I feel like y'all play with the idea of Riverdale, but I feel like I've read a million articles that there's not actually going to be a crossover anytime soon. Is that fun for you guys to just add that in? Or is it like... Yeah, it's, you know, it's a magical universe. So we're not sure if Riverdale and Sabrina are taking place at the same time because they both have such... They both take place kind of outside of time. Like our show has a 60s and 70s aesthetic, but is set today. Right. Riverdale has like sort of a 40s, 50s aesthetic, but is set today, mm-hmm. you know, presumably. Um, and geographically speaking, Sweetwater River separates Greendale from Riverdale. Um, so they are right next to each other. Um And in terms of crossover, everyone would love to do a crossover. The only thing that's preventing that from happening is the fact that they're on separate networks. So contractually, it just makes it really difficult. Um, It's not not a creative thing. It's just a logistical thing. I wanted to point out the Evil Dead reference when she's running through the woods in her white dress after she, you know, refuses to sign. I yeah, got, the vines. I got really worried because, Kim, do you remember when we were like teenagers and you were like, Ian, I saw this really awful movie, A Girl's Raped by a Tree. And I was like, what? And you're like, I don't know, I hated it. <laughs> I wasn't the kindest to some of those movies. <laughs> well, no, I the first Evil Dead is not great. I kept thinking of that and I was like, oh, no, I don't want that to happen to her. And I was very happy it didn't. Yeah, I love Evil Dead, but I promise you, I, I can almost guarantee that there will be no rapes on our show at any point. Can almost guarantee. Almost. <laughs> I'm like ninety yeah. percent sure that there won't be any rapes. We get the reference to the almost rape with um the I forget her name. Oh, Desmelda. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. There's like implied rape in the past. I suppose you're right. God, I don't even remember who. Wait, which character is Desmelda? God, did I watch the same show? Desmelda is the old crone that lives in the woods. Yeah, the queen that like ran away. From oh, the okay, that, right, uh... right, 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 right. So then, I think for me, one of my favorite, one of my favorite scenes of the series is when Sabrina is in front of her house. Ambrose is there, and she like yells, "Like my name is Sabrina Spellman, and I will not sign it away." I think that's like real great like that was like for me i was like am i gonna tear up i don't know what's going on i'm feeling emotional over her doing taking the stand and i love that ambrose yeah that's a total ian cry (laughs) moment crying my baby (laughs) no i have a lot of feelings (laughs) were you about to say you love when ambrose like makes up like the fact that there's a person yeah that that i think that's when i'm like okay now i'm crying when he like admits like oh there is none i just made that up and he's like let's go inside (laughs) uh the the satan court is like absolutely bananas and in the best way. <laughs> like, 
I, I felt like on a lesser show, that wouldn't have worked, right? And <laughs> Latoya, I know you're going <laughs> to not love this. Like on Charmed, that would have fallen flat and like been total caca. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Charmed later. We have to do an episode on Charmed. But on Charmed, it would have been very, very goofy. They, <laughs> they had their like tribunal or whatever on Charmed and it would have been a complete joke. I haven't I haven't watched a new one. I've been meaning to. I haven't watched it either, but I was on a plane with one of the writers going to – because we both shoot in Vancouver and – um. We're, you know, so I was like seated next to one of the writers and it was very shady because we were both working <laughs> on Sabrina or Charmed scripts on in business mm-hmm. class. And like, you know, those shows are sort of in competition. And Charmed's the reason that Sabrina is not on CW oh. and why it went to Netflix. So, um, oh. yeah. So she was giving me side eye. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, know. <laughs> Roberta was like, please don't put my witch show on a network that has two other witch shows. <laughs> like, can we please not do that? So he he asked for permission to pitch to Netflix and they bought it in the room. So that's why we're on Netflix, which is great. I think our show does better on Netflix, is is a better show for being on Netflix. I don't know if it would be quite as good if it were on CW. And that's no shade to CW. I just think it's Netflix. It couldn't do a lot of the stuff it does if it were on the CW just for like standards and practices reasons, basically. For sure. So after the court, she goes to both. And I think that works perfectly, like her going to both schools. And we meet ambrose's boyfriend luke which i wanted to ask everyone in the room um did i miss something when the dead dead warlocks familiar that ambrose was keeping when it died the morning of i was positive i was like oh luke is evil he killed the familiar but then that wasn't the case did we figure out why the familiar died it only died because its owner died right that's what happened yeah that's what the auntie explains yes that's what i thought Oh, I I mm-hmm. thought that was like a misleading, like, oh, that might be what happened, but... I think it was... I read it that way, like, it could have been that, but then Luke turns out to be fine. Like, just to give it a little mystery. Mm-hmm. Like, it, oh, it could be that, that he's evil. Oh, or it could be, like, exactly what Auntie just said. But is Luke fine? I still don't trust him. Yeah, I can't... No spoilers, <laughs> but there's course, more yeah. to Luke than meets the eye. Like a Transformer. Just yeah, like exactly. <laughs> he, he turns into a car. <laughs> <laughs> A bright yellow car. <laughs> I thought you said no spoilers. <laughs> what if like a big season two reveal is that some of the characters are robots who turn into cars? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be too different than like Adam and the Initiative, to be honest. Oh God. That <laughs> Salem turns into a Roomba. Sorry, that was my big joke. Kim. <laughs> um, I wanted to say Nick Scratch is very handsome. He is really handsome. Do you- his Instagram because it's all him doing push-ups basically without a shirt on. Well, now I will follow him on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. Me too. Man, these boys on like Riverdale and Sabrina know their audience, don't they? <laughs> they really do. Yeah. Because <laughs> boy, do I follow KJ App on Instagram. But anyway, <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's an unpopular. My opinion is that Harvey should most definitely dump Sabrina and not get back with her, but that she should date Nick because they would. They both understand the worlds they exist in, while Harvey, she just keeps, like, completely fucking everything up for. It's touch and go whether she uh, understands the world she lives in. It it depends on the situation. Also, you mentioned Nick Scratch, but not the fact that he's played by an actor named Gavin Leatherwood, which is an amazing name. (laughs) That really sounds like a name (laughs) of a character. That's his real name. I don't know what to tell you. I think technically I was the first um, Sabrina Nick Scratch shipper in the world. I was oh. the first one who like pitched that in the room and I kept pushing for Sabrina to like lose her virginity or something to Gavin and it, ne- it never happened, but I, I no spoilers for the next season, but it didn't happen in season one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was the first one who pushed that agenda and I'm proud of it. I'm, pr- I'm proud of you too. I think that his obsession with, uh, with Sabrina's dad gives like his lust after her also maybe a kind of backhanded edge, yeah. right? Because he's like reading his journals and, you know, she's a spellman, but also he, at one point he goes on and on about how he really appreciates like that mortals have monogamous love and it's something that, you know, he, he envies in them. Yeah. So I, I kind of, am like, oh, do you just love her cause she's a spellman or want to be with her cause she's a spellman or like, do you really actually like love, love her? Right. He's not as pure as Harvey her? is in some right. ways. Right. He's more complicated. Well, no one's as pure as Harvey is. <laughs> no, I know he's like a Labrador retriever. <laughs> Harvey, though, I mean, I think that I liked Harvey. The I watched a couple of the episodes, like again, and Harvey is like a 
anti he's he grows up in toxic masculinity and he like Mm -hmm. doesn't accept it he refuses to accept it and i think a lot of like a lot of men like really struggle with that and having there be a character who you know is like that on any sort of popular television especially geared towards teenagers i think is really important yeah the other thing about harvey is that he's kind of like a teenage girl's uh perfect imaginary boyfriend because i remember girls kind of had you know, if they thought about their ideal boyfriend, it would be somebody who is like really sexy and handsome, yeah. but also sort of harmless um, and kind of all 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 accommodating. Um, and so he feels more like an ideal an, an ideal of a boyfriend yeah, more than like a, an actual boyfriend. <laughs> I feel like Teen Kim and Ian wouldn't have wanted that. We would have been more for Nick Scratch. But yes, I do. I do agree with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shocker. Adult Kim and Ian. Well, maybe adult Kim. I don't know about you, Ian. Maybe, maybe we know better. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> One of the other writers, um, Ross Maxwell, and I are both obsessed with ASMR videos on YouTube. And there's a whole genre of like imaginary boyfriend ASMR. <laughs> so that's basically what? like a guy who's going into mic and he's like, hey, I saw that you were upset today. Oh my I'm God. worried about you. What's going on? Talk to me. And that's kind of who Harvey is. <laughs> that's really wow. good. Yeah. Ian's going to go listen to those immediately. Yes. Yeah, you should on YouTube. Look up ASMR boyfriend. It will make you laugh I'm really like, hard. Yes, I do have a boyfriend. He's called ASMR. <laughs> Everyone shut up. Um, so I had this problem with Aunt zelda and the weird sisters where it's like i'm so mad at you for how shitty you are to sabrina so often but i still love watching you and like they're all really and like you know at the end they all do come around but i had a lot of trouble forgiving the weird sisters for like the hazing they give sabrina Mm -hmm. is like so over the top like she could have died at every turn she could have been dead so i like and for me i'm (laughs) um i have a lot of feelings and i hold grudges for the rest of my life. So I'm like, Oh, now I hate them. Now I hate them. And I hate them forever. But then at the end when Sabrina like kind of turns the tables on them and then they do like, she's shitty to Sabrina, but they're basically like at least okay with each other from then on. Yeah. I do like that character that like kind of development. I love when people have to team up that maybe don't necessarily like each other. Yeah. That, I don't know. That kind of shit always works for me. <laughs> totally. The other thing is like, the truth is that, you know, as they become friends over the season and in the next season, um, Sabrina's like not really a good friend to them. She's sort of selfish. She only goes to them when mm-hmm. she needs something or wants something explained. So, you know, she's not innocent either. I mean, she didn't, tr- you know, she didn't put them through the hazing that they put her, that that's true. But like, you know, she's not innocent in all this either. She yeah. makes a lot of really bad decisions too. Oh, yeah. She does kill one of them. <laughs> she does kill one of them. That's true. Yeah. Like I said, Harvey should definitely break up with her and not give her a second chance. And she should understand that because yeah. her life yes, is insane. Like, oh, right. I did get your brother killed and also yeah. brought him back as a zombie and then you had to kill. Right, right, right. That is a mistake. Uh. That is an oops. <laughs> she does sort of do that. And the they right. sort of have that conversation in the Christmas episode, don't they? When he brings back her present and is like, I don't want any part of this and it's like you can't really blame and the I guy i feel like i've never had a show where i'm like oh i love the show i love the main character but the main character's partner should definitely break up with them like i don't feel like that's normally a thing i think but i definitely think that for this show like just for like his own safety mm-hmm. maybe yeah <laughs> imagine how much people would love riley finn if he like just decided to break up with buffy and leave yeah like, in, in a, not like in a running away to do military but like he realized you know what this isn't good for me i should just like yeah break up with you happily and not get bit by vampires yeah. my life is in danger i have to go <laughs> bye i wanted to pause at a moment to discuss dreams in a witch house because it's one of my favorite episodes this episode for me felt like buffy's restless meets nightmare on elm street uh, which is like something made for Ian that he will like. Oh, good. We'll mix a Buffy episode with a horror movie. <laughs> I like that, you know, in the very beginning, Zelda kind of solves the problem, but we know that I, in my head when I was watching it, I was like, oh, she solved it, but like that monster is going to come back either at the end of the episode to like have a climax of a fight or in a few episodes, but the whole thing's a dream. Um, but I like that 
Aunt Zelda says, like, never open a magic box if you don't know what's inside, mm -hmm. which is such, like, straightforward logic, but also, like, I mean, that does apply to a house full of witches, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I, my favorite part of that episode is Madam Satan, Mrs. Wardwell, Miss Wardwell, like, running through the dreams, yeah, it's <laughs> when so she good. sees Ambrose and she's like, "Oh, I think I'm in the wrong nightmare." It's just, and he's just like confused. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I, the reason that we did that episode, I, I if I remember correctly, was because we were so far over budget on the episodes prior that we needed to do something that could be filmed entirely on our sets, so we, we wouldn't go to location right. at all, like to Doctor Cerberus or to the mines or anything like that. That's like on location, so we had to write an episode that mm -hmm. could film in eight days and would be entirely like on our set just for like budget reasons. <laughs> huh. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I love so, that. <laughs> like the mother of invention is necessity, you know? Well, so you work on, you worked on a few shows, Joshua. Is that kind of common? Like, oh, we need to like save on budget. So we're going to try to make a episode shot in this one. Yeah. Scene. There's all sorts of, you know, you write these scripts with the best intentions, but sometimes your line producer who's responsible for the budget will be like, oh, well, we can't get this location or we don't have this actor. And so you're always having to like rearrange the story to fit what, what's available. And our show has a massive budget. So the less that your budget is, the the more that becomes true. So it's not <laughs> as true for us as it is for like um, some, I don't know. I don't want to call any shows out for having a small budget. That's <laughs> shitty. <laughs> but, well, you know, like I'll, a smaller show, let's say worry, that. I'll do the thing. So like watching Bird Box, which I did love, and watching Velvet Buzzsaw, which I did not love. I think that both of them very much like spent their budget on getting big names because the shows actually only have like three different settings. Um, I mean, the movies like in Velvet Buzzsaw, it's like we're in that art studio most of the time. And in Bird Box, they're in that house for a really long time. Then they're just like in the woods. They got these big names and I'm sure it wasn't none of them were cheap. And, you know, I'm sure John Malkovich for both those movies was like, all right, you can have me for two days and I'm charging you a billion dollars. And they were like, OK, great. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so that's one of my favorite episodes of the season. Um, and then, yes. <laughs> which dream would you, do you think is the scariest? Like, which would you not, which nightmare would you not want to be trapped in the most? I'm curious hmm. what, what some of your answers are for that, but particularly you. Because um, I thought about this earlier. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the dream that I would have is either Sabrina's or I'd have uh, Aunt Hilda's and I'd be like sewn up to like an ex-boyfriend I hate. <laughs> <laughs> um kim how about you i think Anne Hilda's is the scariest yeah yeah i think just that that weird thing that's like inside the principal like that's enough right right yes like at that moment i'm like okay like you you know you're you're really excited to not be a virgin anymore lol is she a virgin irl we don't know I mean, she's hundreds of years old but she's always with her sister so it, it makes sense years old, right? oh, so. um and then like all of a sudden like you're like attached to your extremely mean most of the time sister to, like on top of it like oh wait so yeah i want on on that which i'm gonna ask both of you latoya and joshua what your dreams would be um i wanted to point out that i was because like i knew the show had queer writers and i knew that it was like queer friendly i really kept waiting for there to be a twist like mid around around now i was like okay that's definitely not the case but i kept waiting for it to be like because hilda and zelda have been around for so long that like, you know, they were around when people would like be murdered for being gay. And like, I'm sure the like witch patriarchy of Satan didn't like gay people. So I was like, oh, I bet it's going to be that they're partners, but they just say sisters because they always had to cover it up because they sleep in the same room together. Um, but that. Oh, I've never heard that before. You haven't heard that really? Because I no. agree. Interesting. I know that there's a whole there's a whole subset of fans that ship um, Zelda and Wardwell. And really want them to be a couple. Um, <laughs> I understand. That. One of my friends wrote a fan fiction that, uh, yes, about that that I read half of, most of it. I skipped the intro and got to, got to I was the, say, got to the <laughs> sexy parts. Oh my god! And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I never thought of that or heard that before. Zelda's so mean to Hilda. Like I wanted Hilda to tell her to like fuck off so many times, and I'm like, no, but they're in love. That's why. And then it's like, oh no, they're just like family. That's why. <laughs> they're codependent yeah. sisters. Yeah. 
I also think it's, it's interesting you were talking about how mean Zelda is to Hilda and, you know, how you get, like, so upset with, with Zelda at times. Well, I'm thinking, like, well, Zelda is the only one practicing their religion properly. How dare right. all of you? You're all <laughs> causing all of this mess because you want to challenge things all of a sudden. How dare you? <laughs> it's true. I relate to Zelda. Like, I was talking to Miranda Otto about, we were talking about astrology, and I said that I felt that Zelda was a Capricorn, and I am a Capricorn. And, and I just really relate to her because we're ambitious. Things are supposed to be a certain way. <laughs> you toe the line. You do things properly. And because of that, you get rewarded and you get power. And that's the way that the world works. And so if everyone would just fall in line and do what Zelda says, then <laughs> everything would be hunky-dory. Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> you jerk. Um, Latoya, what would, be the, what would be the nightmare you were stuck uh, in? I feel like it'd be Ambrose's nightmare, actually. And yeah, now I just have to like, examine things about myself and my loneliness, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's the scariest one. Um, Joshua. Um, I think probably Sabrina's nightmare would be the one that I would have um, because I regularly have nightmares that everyone is against me or hates me. Um, and just thoughts, not even dreams, yeah. but just thoughts <laughs> of that, <laughs> especially on Twitter. Yeah. Um, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I think Ambrose's is the scariest. Okay, that's fair. Um, Well, what did everyone learn from this episode? I particularly learned that uh, Hilda has trash taste in men. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was interesting how much like Ambrose's character's bitterness gets amped up. Like this episode brings out a lot of stuff about the characters that I think become important in the next and like all the episodes afterwards. But I thought we learned a lot about Ambrose. Yeah, a lot of times bottle episodes kind of bring the story to a halt. And this one does too. But then at least the nice thing about it is that it, it like deepens the characters' personalities for the rest of the series. And you learn something about the characters. Um, and so I think it's good in that way. Yeah. The next episode is Exorcism in Greendale, which Joshua, you wrote. Tell us about writing that episode because it is... Those these are my two favorite episodes that are back to back. Oh, thanks. Uh, I loved writing it. I was a little scared because I started writing it um, like two weeks after I started. Basically, I got that assignment. So I didn't really feel like I knew the show that well yet. And I was really scared. I didn't know the people in the room. I didn't know Roberto very well yet. And so, mm. you know, I, I had the plot points already because the room comes up with that together. So I took the beat sheet and went to script with it. But I was really scared. And then I had to go to set and meet all these actors for the first time. And I was like the last, you know, Johnny come lately. And so Mm. it was like kind of a frightening experience, but I knew that the episode was good. I knew that I um, had some cool chances to like reference horror movies that Roberto would like. Like I came up with the Johnny Mm -hmm. Depp crop top for Harvey. Yeah. Um, and I, and uh, I, good choice. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And then I remember everyone on set was like, I don't get this. And I was like, prom, I promise you horror fans are going to know and they're going to love it. And they did. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I was really excited to write that ritual, um, that they do for the exorcism just cause I have yeah. a I've got a lot of practice writing spells and rituals at this point. And, um, so that's always like a treat. And I, I name checked both of my grandmothers when they're calling, the spirits from the shade um francis and priscilla are my grandmothers um so it was really fun to research like famous witches and to write that ritual and um yeah so i was really excited about that that's cool yeah uncle jesse says how rude did you intentionally make a full house reference yeah i think (laughs) it was i can't remember but i think it was intentional yeah I was like, it should be. I only wrote my notes, yep, named uncle jesse for a reason yeah (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realize that. Yeah. <laughs> yes! I take copious notes. <laughs> so I, I also have to say, this is a, like, merit to uh, Michelle Gomez's acting. But so when, I can't remember, it's, oh, it's the beginning of this episode, right? Where we where she tells them the lie that she is there yeah. to help. I was watching, I remember the first time I watched the episode and I was like, wait, did I, did I miss something? Is that like a plot point of hers? That, like, she's also there to help them. And, like, I just thought she was evil. Like, I bought it for a second. <laughs> and I, I think because I wanted to buy it because I loved I loved them teaming up. I love them all having to work together. And I think I just was like, maybe that is true. Let's pretend that's true. But then I was, you know, bummed out when she went in and killed the uncle. I was like, oh, no, she's. Yeah, she's at first when I saw the cut, I was, like, a little bit disappointed because there are other takes where it's much more obvious that she's lying. But I think ultimately it's it's mm-hmm. a good thing for that reason. I just thought that those other takes were, like, some of them were pretty delicious. because It's fun to watch somebody squirm and, like, be a bad liar, you know? 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure she was giving good like yeah, eyes. She was, with the yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I just love that whole, I love the ending. I love them all coming together. I definitely like teared up because I was like, oh, I love this. They're all working together as a family. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's also very emotional, like to watch the way that, the way that it's filmed and I guess written too, like when they're just like yelling and everything's going on all around them and they, all these women's names, like, and some you some we recognize, some that you know we know are important to the characters or the writers. Yes, apparently. Yeah. Um, this is the episode yeah. where I had a lot of charmed notes. <laughs> I'm like, it's very charmed, very charmed. Hashtag girl power, charmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also was excited because the director um, was a woman named Rachel Talalay, and she uh, is someone I w- would a- always wanted to meet because she worked on all of the original Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Oh, wow. Um, oh, shit. She worked for Fine Line in the 80s. Um, so she was a producer on every single Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And she wrote and directed Freddy's Dead. And she also produced all of John Waters' movies in the 80s. So and her first job was producing Hairspray. Not too bad. Um, so she's just like a fucking icon to me. Mm-hmm. And I just got to sit around with her and talk about John Waters and Divine and, you know, Freddy Krueger. And it was just like such a dream. Oh, and she wrote and directed Tank Girl, which is one of my favorite cult movies. Too. Oh, shit. So she's just like such a cool, smart woman. That's quite That's the awesome. resume. Yeah. Yeah. I also have to say, wait, is it this episode we're introduced to Susie's ghost? What is it? Grandma? Uh, aunt. I don't think so. Not, not yet. I don't think. Mm-hmm. We learn about we learn about like her family's history, like the Uncle Jesse, uh, his uh, his past okay. that yeah. the dad yeah. describes to uh, somebody at some point. I wanted to talk about uh, having the character Ben Button from Riverdale on uh, Sabrina when uh, Miss Wardwell mm-hmm. orders a pizza <laughs> and that perfect scene of her answering the door saying, "My, that looks like a heavy pizza." Yeah, uh, <laughs> and we and we know she's going to eat this guy and. To be fair, I had fallen. I hadn't caught up on Riverdale. Mm. Um, So, of course, like I Googled to see if there was any references. And then the Internet Mm. told me and I was like, shit. And I read like every theory. Um, Joshua, do you want to talk about that? (laughs) There is it's there's no meaning to it. Everyone just likes that actor. And so they cast him in this bit role. There really truly was no intention to like Mm. do a subtle hint or crossover. And it was sort of wild to watch those rumors fly. and and I, and I don't also I also don't think that Roberto um, it was a Roberto decision. I don't think he did it to play with people either. I just thought he's like, oh, I like this actor. I'll put him in this role. I, and so it was one of one of the many things that made us realize like, oh, we need to be more careful about this sort of thing because um, we watched mm-hmm. all the you know conjecture fly around online, and so we we're like, whoops, we we really frustrated people with that one. Whoopsie Daisy. Um, that's on us. <laughs> but I, I do love that scene. I said it's like how I feel like living in the suburbs now since I left New York. <laughs> it's like, oh, a handsome man at my door. Well, <laughs> I really feel bad for Harvey. I, I feel like you said he's like yeah. dream boyfriend, but then he gets all this bad shit that happens to him at the last half of the season. And because of Sabrina, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly. He needs to let her go. This is where all the, the toxic masculinity jumps out, too, because he it's like really like been out of shape about being considered chicken shit. He keeps saying chicken shit. And I wrote in my notes, please stop saying chicken <laughs> shit, Harvey. But he, he keeps going with it. And then just everything goes to hell for him. And, you know, his, his hot brother. And it's very upsetting. Yeah, his brother is hot. We were also like going to... Um... At some point, someone was pitching that we were going to kill his dad in an episode in the first season. And Roberto rightfully was like, look, we can't kill every single person in Harvey's family. (laughs) We've done enough to Harvey. Little orphan Harvey. Yeah. (laughs) Glendale is 100% on a hell mouth. Like, I feel like Harvey and his family should just move. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Everyone should move away from Greendale. It's terrible. It's like yeah, people. Everyone yeah. should move from Gotham City. Everyone should just move out of their their garbage. Yeah, like yeah. when they would make jokes about that on Buffy about Sunnydale. Like this <laughs> class has yeah. the lowest death rate of any graduating <laughs> class in twenty years or whatever. Like all those sort of jokes were so great. And then I wanted to touch about touch upon them killing Dorcas, which was like pretty brutal. Yeah, and I appreciated that the show like totally. I was like, oh well clearly sabrina's not gonna kill her like i kept thinking that i was like yeah but like we're getting all this but i know she's not gonna do it and then she fucking did and i was like oh (laughs) all right then (laughs) yeah that was one of the things the executives really didn't want us to do that they really didn't like it because they thought it made 
um, they thought it was tonally off and they thought that it made Sabrina unlikable, but it's like, we have to believe that she's really doing it so that the, the surprise of it pays off later. You know, if we know that she's going to come back, it kind of like ruins the whole story and why, why do it? Right. And also why would we, then you're not like, there's no like a thrilling moment. Cause it's just like, Oh, well, if we know she's coming back, eh, yeah. Like sure. Yeah. Then do the thing. Yeah. Um, and her like vomiting up the dirt was like pretty brutal. Like it was weird. Cause like, that's not gore, but like watching that was like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. Oh wait, they kill Agatha, not Dorgas. Sorry. It's Agatha. Oh, Agatha. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I always forget which name goes with which yeah. of those two girls. I want to do some more stories with them in the future without prudence. Like I'd like to see. I, I was trying to figure out if there was like a hierarchy, like obviously queen prudence is queen prudence, but I was like, is like, is Agatha number two and Dorcas is number three or are they equal? I feel like I have a pretty good handle on their personalities um, at this point. I think, you know, obviously Prudence is number one. Then comes Agatha. Agatha is like actually more severe than Prudence is. And I think a bit smarter. She's like the, she's like the intellectual one. And then um, Dorcas is like the kind of sexy dumb, dumb one. <laughs> Poor Agatha is the one who has to get killed. I love Aunt Hilda protecting Susie from the bullies in the, yes. in the shop. Yes. So I, good. I texted yeah. you when that happened. I was like, this is the best. <laughs> that scene is just... Well, this is one of those things where it's like, well, not, you guys are just flaunting your magic all around. Of course people are going to realize you're witches. Come on. But And I appreciated y'all made sure to like uh, say that the one bully was gay, but they mm. didn't. you didn't do it in like a... It's not like a shameful, like... Yeah. She feels bad, but she's just like, get the fuck out and stop harassing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love any moment when Hilda gets to be a badass... Just like I love any moment where Zelda gets to be soft yeah. and vulnerable. It's just nice to see those colors to those yes. characters. And I'm sad that Susie didn't actually get to steal Virginia Woolf's Orlando. But also, like, I'm glad that she didn't because then we get to see what she was trying to steal. We, the character um, was um, um, was almost going to be called Orlando at some point. And I completely thought that was going to be a spell done by Miss Wardwell. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a total evil uh, thing happening. I thought she was being manipulated the whole time. Yeah, at moments it was going to be. <laughs> and, and I can't really trace the trajectory of that story and what happened, but there have been so many iterations of who she is and why she's there and what. <laughs> that's you know, funny. Like, that, that's one of the stories that kind of. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There was just so many versions of it and the road to what it became was really long and windy <laughs> and weird. Fair. It seems like the, the stuff like that, the coven's trying to keep hidden finally in that episode, I guess that's the Thanksgiving episode kind of begins to spill over for, for us. And we get like, we learn about Roz's cunning and we learn about, or we get meet this ghost slash whatever Dorothea Putnam is. Yeah. And, you know, all the stuff that happens to Harvey's family, we, we find out they're witch hunters. So like the, the two worlds, really like connect in that episode yeah um, that's a really astute observation i think that that's really true and it's sort of like the veil is being lifted for sabrina and she's seeing some of the darkness behind behind the veil yeah the finale was really good i I like that all the pieces came together i like when it's everyone has something to do I mean, I would have preferred Joshua if Harvey and Nick could have kissed while they were in the house together. (laughs) (laughs) Who wouldn't prefer that? There are lots of um, posts on Instagram of them kissing, though. So once you follow Gavin, you'll get your content that you so much desire. Thank you. (laughs) You've made Ian's day. (laughs) I'm Madam Satan, lonely in the suburbs. Give me a break, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Aww. Uh, <laughs> don't awe me, you jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was mad at everyone for leaving Aunt Hilda alone in the finale when she's like there to protect the school. I'm like, but they're all leaving her to die. She's very powerful. She proves her power. She is. That's a nice, another nice, um, cool moment for Hilda where she gets to be a badass. That's like one of the best ones. I would just be so mad if. The four of us were like, okay, we have to do the spell. It has to be the four of us. Oh, wait, I have a boyfriend. I got to go. Oh, wait, I got to go. I would be so <laughs> mad at all of you. <laughs> yeah. You'd forgive us. Uh, maybe. You would. <laughs> I love that you assume that you'd be the one that gets left Well, <laughs> he would. <laughs> I feel like that's my brand. It's like, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> like, cue, cue the Curb Your Enthusiasm music. <laughs> oh, no. oh, so then Sabrina going full power. I did love that. I appreciated that Miss Wardwell's plan came together. Like, mm-hmm. 
She, this motherfucker knew what she was doing. She got it done. And I, I kind of like, you know, even though she's a villain, I'm like, you know what? You did it. Good for you. You got yeah. it done. Yeah. I didn't think her plan was going to come together and it did. So good for her, really. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Half of me was like, no, Sabrina, just like, I felt like I wanted Sabrina to like stop for a minute and think about what was going on. But like, clearly she didn't have that time. Um, but I was like, no, just don't. Don't sign it. Just do the thing, but don't sign it. But I did like seeing her go off full power. Um, I always appreciate, you know, that kind of shit. Um, I thought the blue light was actually really cool, too. The blue flames. Um, Yeah, it's cheaper. Oh, really? (laughs) Blue flames are cheaper than orange ones. They look better, too, so. Yeah, they look cooler. (laughs) That's, That's funny. I always like, like on Buffy, I know that the reason a lot of times vamps were staked off screen is because it was like too expensive for them to show the like the the, dust yeah yeah um i forget like i I also want there to be a tumbler of like um bad vampire wigs from buffy (laughs) (laughs) there's so many janky wigs on that show there could be numerous pages just on angel's flashback wigs (laughs) yeah oh god the worst (laughs) we'll have no angel and spite slander (laughs) (laughs) then we get i'm trying to think of oh um i do love the very end that we get that Madam Satan is her name and that she's going to eat the principal, Balky from Perfect Strangers. Uh, <laughs> I love her reveal of like, I'm the future queen of hell. I thought that was like totally badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get Sabrina again doing like a really iconic slow motion walk with the Weird Sisters, which I did love. Well, I just want to say with the finale, there's a part I'm surprised you didn't mention where uh, Roz is like, but she's still coming to school, right? And I'm like, it's some becoming part two realness. I'm surprised you didn't notice that again. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. You're you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin plays. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua, with the holiday episodes at Netflix, like I know that, you know, uh, Big Mouth just dropped the Valentine's Day episode, which I love and everyone should watch. Do they like, do you guys know in advance you're going to be doing them? Or are they more of like a last minute kind of thing? It was a last minute sort of thing. So we had a 20 episode order and the plan was to do 10 on the front half, 10 on the back half. Yeah. And Roberto wanted to do a Christmas special. Um, and it was originally supposed to be the second episode of the second half of the season. Okay. So just for clarity, um, the se- the episodes that are coming out in April are called season one, part two. So those 20 episodes are considered one season. So um, he, and, and I don't know why that is, but that's just the way that it is. Um, <laughs> so, he wanted to write a Christmas special. It was um, it was slated to be the second episode of the second half. But then he was like, that's weird. And then he was like, well, maybe I'll just ask Netflix if it can be a Christmas special. And so we're, there were like these two weeks where we were waiting to hear back from Netflix. Turns out they loved the idea. And so we made it the first we made it the first episode. So really like we mm-hmm. borrowed from our second half to like do a Christmas special. So in April there'll be like nine episodes cause we borrowed one of them to do the Christmas special. Yeah. But basically it was just Roberto's idea and he asked for permission and they loved it and it, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's like a full story in the continuity and not just a throwaway holiday episode, which is what I think everyone expected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's setting you up. It's like sort of putting the first half to bed, mm-hmm. um, like the relationship with Harvey, for instance, and preparing you for what's to come. Because in the the next batch of episodes that come out in April, it's kind of the reverse of the first half. So Sabrina is more involved at the Academy of Unseen Arts. She's more firmly in the witch world uh, because she's got her full power and she's signed the book. And she's sort of like struggling to keep her toehold with her mortal friends and in the mortal world. And so you kind of get mm-hmm. the mirror reversal of the first season. Hmm. I like that. Also, um, watching the holiday special, I didn't know that Gryla was like a real mythic, like mythical creature. Mm, yeah. right? And the she? Yule lads, they're from Iceland. The Yule lads have, there's like 12 of them and they have all these names and specific things that they do. Like one of them steals sausages, um, and things like that. It's very <laughs> weird. I was looking. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is, is from real mythology. Batty Bat is a Filipino sleep demon. That's, that's a real oh, thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Apophis from my episode is an Egyptian, uh, god of the underworld um so yeah we're always googling things <laughs> the kids in the beginning of the episode i really thought it was a cgi uh, Shipka god that's, yeah that's that's a clone right there i know she's so similar i can't remember what that girl is in but she's like a, a real actor who's in like a lot of big things and um 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we, she we in were Haunting of Hill House? lucky to get her. Yeah. Yes, she is. Oh. And we were lucky to get her because uh, the the reason that we wanted her is because there had been so much talk on the internet about how much she looked like Kiernan and Jipka. And so and they really tried to get her. All the stuff with Sabrina's mom totally made me tear up. It reminded me like very much of Harry Potter. And again, that's about the next part because we have so much coming up about her parents and her family and, oh. you know, the mysteries of her backstory. So that's another part of like preparing the audience for what's to come too. I, yeah, I like how some mysteries were left yes. open throughout it. Like, did her parents die on purpose? Like, everyone looks at each other in a knowing way whenever they talk about her parents' death, but we never really get any confirmation, I don't think, on, like, what really happened yeah. there. So I'm glad, like, something like that was introduced and, like, left unresolved. It's going to yeah. turn out no one actually knows what happened to them. No, <laughs> no one was, like, involved in this, like, or there's no foul play, at least not on their part. <laughs> yeah. Someone else was involved. <laughs> I I loved Gryla drinking with the ants um, when she's like, do you have any gin? I thought that was great. I appreciated that this episode was like, it was a standalone, but it still mm-hmm. also progressed the plot, which is what I like about a standalone episode. The baby, I wanted to discuss the, the decision to have like, the, so we end on Lady Blackwell gives birth and Aunt Zelda has now taken the twin girl, mm-hmm. right? Because she doesn't want it mm-hmm. to be, the baby to be put to death. But then in this episode, she gives the baby up. Um, was that, I don't even know how to like make it, what, like what went into wanting you guys to like leave that cliffhanger, but then resolving it right away in the like holiday special? Well, it was important for her to take the baby away from Blackwood because we're telling this story about Blackwood and misogyny. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's not fun to have a baby mm-hmm. in your story, in your A story, because they just, you don't want, you don't want people always like holding a screaming baby and it's just like it's such a damper that we had to like we had to do it but then we also had to like get it out of the way because it's sort of a bore and a pill (laughs) to have in your story so uh, so the baby is a part of the next season um but kind of like off camera just because no one wants to watch a show where everyone's having it's good you guys understood that honestly because (laughs) that's the truth i feel like a lot of shows don't get that which is weird at this point Especially shows like this, like there'll be a baby and it's like, but that baby could literally be dead at any moment because there's so many mm-hmm. supernatural things going on. Um, yeah. That, like the character should al- always be paranoid about that. And I know I would be yeah. if I were like a witch living in Greendale with a baby. I don't know. Yeah. And plus we do have um, Blackwood's son who's on camera all the time in the next season. It's just like having two babies baby in two locations just feels is. like exhausting. Yeah. Angel understood yeah, how, to, exactly. how to do the whole baby thing where, yeah, Angel was definitely terrified at all times that something would happen to his baby. And then something did happen to his baby. So he was right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the magicians did the same thing and referenced Angel while they did it. The best show. <laughs> Which I, I love. love that show. I'll look at that. All four of us love the magicians. As we love should. Love that show. Kim and I text about the magicians like so often. <laughs> yeah, we have a char- we have an actor from the magicians on our next season. Um Ooh. I don't know what Ooh, I think his I'm name so is. Are you allowed to say? I'm not sure. It's not a big character on the magicians, nor on our show. He's like a Vancouver actor. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and they have like such a racket up there. Like there, there's so many actors from a series of unfortunate events that are on Sabrina, like sort of bit players. Yeah. Like they have such a it's a career. It's like the whole industry for them. I love the Vancouver acting scene. Hmm. Love them. It's big. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a definite thing. Uh, one thing I really love about Sabrina is that I feel like shows are not really getting compared to a lot. It reminds me of like the best of like Supernatural and the best of Lost Girl, actually. Uh, I know I was doing a lot of Buffy and even Charm comparisons. What shows would you say, Joss, you, oh. do you think it's, it's like, really? Because it's different than Riverdale, I'd say, obviously. Yeah, it's really, it's strikingly different than Riverdale. I'd say Buffy is in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of uh, the old soap opera Dark Shadows from the 60s. It's got a lot of that. And then a lot of like... Not um, the Johnny Depp remake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you totally ruined it. Um, <laughs> uh, and then like cartoon shows as well. Like there's some Scooby elements. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the oh. ones that I, that come to mind. Uh, I actually really like that comparison. And then I feel like it's like that, but then throw in like horror movies. And, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all right. So I wanted to ask you all... I have a very clear picture in my head what this would be, but what do we think Sabrina's, what do we think Sabrina's Twitter feed would look like? 
Joshua, you go first. I think it would be like all social justice warrior retweets, basically. Like, I think that she would be like retweeting Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and stuff like that. Like, (laughs) Sabrina's whole thing is like fairness and social justice. And so I think she would be like one of those Oh, I agree. It'd also just be very basic in general. But yes, she would also, she's she's a teenage girl. So like, of course, she's allowed (laughs) to be basic. Yeah. Yeah. And she's not very funny. Like, she's not someone you follow because right. she tells funny jokes. Like and that's not a, that's not shade to Sabrina. She's just like not a funny yeah. person, really. Kim. I think yeah, she is she's a young girl, so maybe the occasional like self-made gif of her and Harvey kissing might mm. appear or like, you know, some uh, when she's feeling sad, maybe like a, a Sylvia Plath quote. Oh my oh, that's god, good. That's some, amazing. some stuff that's like really like metaphor metaphorically like kind of like Revealing how she's feeling on the inside without really saying all it right. on the outside. I mean, we're all For kind sure. of like the same thing. I said that I think she mm. would she would be very social justice e, but that she would be one of those people that has like feels every tweet needs to be like a full think piece, mm-hmm. and like it'd be like an eighteen tweet thread about like some <laughs> like microaggression or something. But that also, yeah, it'd be like you know she's still a, a teenager, so she'd have a lot of pictures of like Harvey, Susie, and Roz. Uh, I also think that she would get in trouble uh-huh. sometimes for like white women feminism and rightfully so. But like, <laughs> I feel like that kind of thing would happen to her every so often. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to. <laughs> Josh, that's really accurate. <laughs> um, also, feel free to use any of our ideas. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> like, well, as long as podcast, a bunch of people had some fan fiction ideas. So <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> and now we're going to, what was your favorite outfit from the series. Josh, you're going first for all of these just because. <laughs> Does that have to be Sabrina? Because I'm pretty no. proud of that crop top. No, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you should be proud of that. <laughs> I also have all of the same coats as Harvey. I have the <laughs> denim jacket with the puffy um, collar. And I also have the leather bomber jacket with the puffy collar. And I had those before I worked on the show. I mean, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> Kim? There's so many good ones, but I'm going to have to go with Aunt Zelda's real fox like style, like a you know, shawl thing that she wears and to see uh Faustus at one point. Uh that just like that slayed me. That was so good. Yeah, Kim, I feel like a lot of things she wears are stuff that you would like to wear. I feel bad that it was a real fox, but I'd be like, <laughs> whatever, this is this is amazing. Latoya. <laughs> uh I'm gonna go with uh Madame Satan's green number in the dream episode. It's just it's just very important. Close second, <laughs> close runner up for me. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> is it like a velvet robe? Yes, so good. <laughs> so good. So I I cheated. I have like three. I said <laughs> Sabrina. <laughs> I'm allowed to cheat as my podcast. Fuck off. <laughs> um, uh, Sabrina in the white wedding dress, I think looks so good. So beautiful. And for me, it's like, I like it even more because it's like very horror, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah. the pure young girl in the white dress going to this like satanic thing where she's supposed to sign her name wed. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything Prudence wears, I think is great because mm-hmm. uh, I love her style. Her finger waves are so beautiful. Her what? Her finger waves, her hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love I, it. Also, so not only does her hair look good when it's like that, but then I also love the shaved down look that she has in a holiday special. Yeah, that's her like, That's her new it. hairstyle for the next season. Yeah, I love that look. Yeah. And then uh, Harvey in the crop top because I am gay. Hello, I can't help <laughs> <Yeah>. myself. <laughs> her red coat is pretty iconic, too. I mean. Yeah. Um. All right. Favorite scenes of the season, Joshua. And you can cheat and just say something you wrote if you want. <laughs> I actually really love um, in the pilot when she comes home and dances to Be My Baby in the the hall. Um, and before the show was even cut together, I, when I first started, I, you know, you get access to dailies. And I would just watch that daily like over and over and over again because I just thought it was so cute. It is really good. Um, Latoya. I actually love that scene too. Yeah, I'm not gonna say a Madam Satan scene, although you would expect it. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love cute, adorable Sabrina, especially early on in the show. Before it's just like Sabrina, just love Satan, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, what's your favorite scene then? Uh, I think it, honestly, yeah, is the "Be My Baby" scene. Kim, I have two. I I know it's not <laughs> my podcast, but two totally different scenes. Um, one that Fiona Apple moment where we get the the pre feast orgy. Oh yeah, like, Sabrina <laughs> coming in on it. She's like coming up the stairs. You hear Fiona Apple, like you know, and then it's all of a sudden, oh, so good, like that. Yeah. I don't know, and I just love that. And, and then on the total other end of things, um, Aunt Zelda bursting in for the ritual, uh, in episode 
the what is six. it? Six. The exorcism yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, six. Um, that one. That moment just really. I don't know. Oh, thanks. The whole ritual is really great, and her bursting in. I think really that that was a yeah. great. That, great that orgy yeah. scene. I, see, I don't think you could have um, that on the CW. No, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, my favorite, my two favorite scenes are Sabrina yelling about not signing her name outside of her house, and then Aunt Hilda taking down the bullies to save uh, Susie. Yeah, thank you all for joining us. Um, Joshua, thank you for coming on to talk about what you do for a living. <laughs> thank you, it's a pleasure. Yeah, and Latoya, thank you for being a lovely co-host. Of course. Um, if you all liked SlayerFest 98, feel free to, you can find us on iTunes, Pod, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can subscribe to us, and if you like us, feel free to rate us. And you can subscribe to our Patreon, SlayerFest98. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at SlayerFestX98. You can find me on all platforms on the internet at IanXCarlos. LaToya, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at LaFergs. You can find my writing on the AV Club, Paste, Uprocks, all, all around the world. Yeah, you you freelance like everywhere, I feel like. I, I, I do. I can't I, keep up with you. I freelance in a lot of places, and I have my book coming out in May. My book on women's wrestling. Yay. So, woo! Yay! Um, and Kimberly, where can everyone find you? I am at Kim and Joe South. K-I-M-A-N-N-J-O South, like the Cardinal Direct, at uh, Twitter and everywhere else. And Joshua? Uh, I'm everywhere, but I'm most active on Twitter because I'm a garbage person, and I'm <laughs> at Joshua Conkle. Um, well thank you all for joining us and thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next time bye